Please turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. To Luke chapter 10. And we're going to start at verse 38. Verse 38. Since you guys got to sleep till 9 today, our first hour started at 9, I hope you guys will stay awake. If any of you guys start falling asleep, I'm going to come down there and whack you over the head. So make sure you stay awake. You have no reason to sleep. <laughs> Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. What's funny was, at the beginning of this month, Dr. Getch asked me to preach in chapel. And uh, I was preparing a sermon. But a little bit over a week ago, one of the preachers that came preached on the passage and along the same lines. So I had to quickly find a different passage, and God just laid another passage on my heart. But I hope it's a blessing to you guys today. But Luke chapter 10, verse 38, it says... Now it came to pass, as they went, that he entered into a certain village. A certain woman named Martha received him into, his house, into her house. She had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. It's been a pretty good year so far. Chapel sermons have been pretty good so far, huh? Even as we take a look in our own lives, we're thinking, man, God has been doing some great things. We've been able to see some souls get saved on bus or in ministry. We're seeing God do all these things. And even in the beginning of the year, Dr. Gibbs talked about God doing the impossible through us. Even at the beginning of this semester, Dr. Getch talked about living that quickened life. We started off with this revival and we even heard about turning our apathy into urgency. We even learned about stepping out of the boat and walking on water. We even learned about getting on our knees and begging God for that fire. We also learn about not having the right to remain silent and being prepared as David was prepared, as Brother Hauk said. Even knowing that all our springs are in him and that there is, there is no power outside of prayer. You see, there's so many things that we learn, so many things, man, that we're soaking in, that we're able to do. But somewhere along the line, everything gets pretty old. But somewhere along the line, everything gets pretty old and mundane. You grow tired. You grow weary. I just think about the fact that sometimes I wake up some mornings, getting out of bed, and after hearing my alarm for the 58,000th time, I just want to sometimes I just want to stay in bed. Or even going into work or getting another slip of demerits for turning in my focus report an hour late. You see, all these things start to get pretty old. Or maybe on a more serious note, the trials that we go through get pretty old. There's another death in the family. There's, a, there's another trial that I'm going through. Man, I'm struggling financially. And there's all these things that we struggle with. And we ask ourselves, man, God, is it really worth it? And you get to a place where you think, man, I'm getting pretty tired. Perhaps if I'd ask every single person here in this room, if, you're, if, if that's you, you probably, I would, every single hand would probably go up. But I have a deeper question for you today. Is your love for God getting old? Is your love for God getting old? 
I'm not talking about classes, or I'm not talking about ministry. I'm not talking about Southern California or about college, but I'm talking about just you and God. Where are you and God right now? Where has the love gone? Have you come to a place in your life where you remember those days where you were in love with Jesus Christ? Hey, you remember those days where he would speak to you, his, his sweet and loving voice, and he would tell you how much he loves you, and you would adore him for who he is and what he has done for you. Has that faded away? Say, Sam, I thought you were preaching about revival. Well, ask yourself, what is revival? David said in Psalm 85, verse 6, Will thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? You see, revival, whatever you want to call it, renewal, or, or even getting to a place where you're awakened, it's simply found in a person. More than the method, more than a formula, more than it's something that we can do, revival is simply in someone, and that's Jesus Christ. And we get to a place in our lives where we realize, man, Jesus Christ and my relationship with him is not that sweet. I'm not as close to him as I once was. What we see in this passage, there's two sisters, Mary and Martha. You see, Mary and Martha were just two regular just ladies, and they're in their house one day, and all of a sudden, they hear that Jesus Christ is coming to their house. The Messiah, I bet they were so excited. They are preparing the food, man. They are making sure that the meal was ready. They are they're getting so excited that Jesus himself would come into their house. But as soon as, as soon as Jesus Christ came, and man, they are having the time of their life. They were fellowshipping. They were serving him. They spent time at his feet. But while Mary was enjoying Jesus Christ, we see that Martha is in the other room. She's, she's trying to serve Jesus Christ. She is serving him. But in the midst of that, she gets a little frustrated. And in the midst of that, she, she struggles with keeping a good spirit. If any of you guys have been engaged in something new or you have uh, started something new, you understand how exciting it is. Whether it's maybe coming to college, your freshman year, man, everything is so exciting. Maybe you walk into your room and you're, maybe for some of you you're excited, but for some of you you're terrified. But some of you guys, when you engage in something new, it's exciting, it's great. Even when you get in your first relationship, man, everything is great. That person does not have a single flaw. Man, it's just everything is going great. I'm flying and I'm, man, I have it all made. But we soon come to a place where you walk into your room and you realize your roommate ate your food. You come to a place where you realize you walk into your room and, you, and your friend is laying in your bed. No, your bed that you made in the morning so you wouldn't get demarriage. Your friend is lying in your bed. Or maybe you walk into the bathroom and you see that someone left it clogged. <laughs> Saying nothing against my roommates. But you get to a place where everything just gets old. Even when you're in a new relationship, man, you're, it's going great. Man, you're having such a great time with that girl. But then you realize, did she really just say that? Did she really, is she really acting that way? Or maybe the girl's thinking, man, this guy's a doofus. What is he thinking? What did he just say? And the honeymoon starts to wear off. You see, Martha in this passage, she gets to a place where she was busy serving the Lord. But her honeymoon with Jesus wore off. And for us, it's not exciting as it once was. 
hey, for us, we get to a place where we get a little complacent in our, and it becomes a duty more than a delight. So I have a question for you today. Have you fallen out of love with Jesus Christ? This morning, I would like to preach to you a message entitled, When the Honeymoon Wears Off. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that each student here would search their own heart, that they would set aside their classes, their friends, everything around them, that this morning it would just be you and them. I pray that, Lord, if anybody here would be sitting here and they know they're not as close to you as they once were, that after this message, Lord, they would draw nigh unto you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. When the honeymoon wears off, first of all, we see a distraction of service. In verse 40, it says, in verse 40, it says here, but Martha was cumbered about much serving. You see, it says here that Martha was cumbered. What does the word cumbered mean? It means to be distracted. It means to be drawn away from. It means to be in a place where you're distressed. You see, Martha was distracted. Martha was distressed. But what was she distressed by? What was she distracted by? And it says here, it says cumbered about much serving. Serving, ministry, helping, aiding. You see, Martha came to a place where she was so busy with ministry, she was distracted with preparing the house and making everything for Jesus, that everything that she did for Jesus, you see, her performance became a substitute for the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. You might say, what do you, what do you mean, Sam? Are you advocating that we don't serve Christ? No, I'm advocating that you do. That's why day in and day out we hear that we need to preach the gospel. We, need, we, we hear that we need more missionaries. We need more laborers. That's why we're inviting you to come to the prayer meetings to pray and, and get right with God and to seek him. That's why we're encouraging you to go out in the field and reach people for him. But have you allowed your performance to become a substitute for the person of the Lord Jesus Christ? You see, service should not be a replacement, but should be a result of your walk with Jesus Christ. I even think about in Revelation chapter 2, verses 2 to 4, where God is talking to the church of Ephesus. He's saying, hey, I know thy work. I know thy labor. I know thy love. I know everything that you're doing, but there's one thing that you're missing. You have left your first love. He's saying, college students, today I know what you're doing. I know you're going to that bus class. I know you're going to that extension. I know you're getting up and going to classes. I know you're doing all these things. It's great what you're doing, but... When was the last time you spent time with me? When was the last time you actually sought after me? John 17, verse 3 says, And this is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Even in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, as Joanna said earlier, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable to his death. 
You see, there's one goal that each and every one of us should have here in college. There should be one priority that's at the top of our list, and that priority is us getting to know Jesus Christ. Even Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 to 24 says, Jeremiah says, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, nor the mighty man in his might, nor the rich, rich man in his riches. But let him glory in this, that he knoweth me. You see, there's so many times we get caught up with so many things of what we're doing, of, of how much we know, of what we're doing in ministry. And oftentimes we forget to just sit down and enjoy Jesus Christ. See, serving Jesus is great, but it should never take the place of getting to know Jesus Christ. See, what is the whole point of serving a God that you aren't even getting to know in a daily basis? Are you distracted with service? Someday, each and every one of you are probably going to get married or you'll probably have children. But just imagine if you have children and you come up to them, you pay the bills, you give them clothes, you feed them, you do everything that you can to take care of them, but you never spend time with them. You never talk with them. You see, and so oftentimes, that's how we treat our walk with Christ. We do so much for him. We know the ins and outs. We stand up here, we sing, we preach. We do all these things, but we don't really know it. See, because when the honeymoon wears off, we get distracted by service. Also, secondly, when the honeymoon wears off, we see the dominance of self. Look at verse 40 again. It says, but when Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister had left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. Bid her that she help me. Just imagine Jesus Christ sitting there and Martha sitting there as well at his feet. And all of a sudden, Martha comes over and says, hey, Jesus Christ, I know you're teaching. I know you're fellowshipping right now, but, but bid her to come and help me. Stop what you're saying for a second and have Mary come and help me. I'm so busy. I'm trying to serve you, Jesus Christ, but, but wait one second. Shall the audacity to tell Jesus Christ to stop for a second. How many of us push the mute, mute button on God? And God is telling us to do something. We say, God, hold on one second. God, I'm talking to my friends and I'm talking about this. Hold on, let me put you on mute. God, um, I'm, I'm, I'm engaging in something right now and what I'm doing right now is more important. What I'm listening to, right? What I'm watching right now is more important. Let me put you on mute. I think about in my room, I have two roommates, David Chemist and Israel Lopez. See, David is pretty calm. He just sleeps in his bed or he studies in his bed or he's falling asleep while trying to study on his bed. <laughs> but then you got Israel. Israel's special. Israel's really special. Israel has a lot of fun things that he says. And at times, I'm on my bed and I'm studying. And as I'm on my bed studying, sometimes Israel tries to tell me something and I ignore him on purpose. Israel would say, Sam, I wouldn't say anything back. Sam, <laughs> Sam Jackson, Sam, Samuel, Hikari, that's my middle name, Hikari, Samuel, Hikari, Jack, Sam, Sam, and I'm thinking, be quiet, Israel. I don't want to talk to you. I know what you're going to tell me. See, and that's what Martha was doing in this passage. God was, God was talking to Mary. 
God was telling Mary, hey, I, I want to tell you something. In the midst of that, Mary says, Martha says, you know, God, wait one second. And all of a sudden it became about her. You see, when Israel is trying to talk to me, it's all, I'm just focusing on what I'm doing. I'm completely ignoring everything that he is saying. But how often do we do that with God and we make it all about what we have to say? You see, it, all, it becomes all about what I have to say rather than what he has to say. It becomes all about what I'm doing rather than what he has done for me. Even in Luke chapter 18 where there's a Pharisee and a publican, that Pharisee said, Lord, I thank thee that I'm not as other men are extortioners, adulterers, or even this public, and I, I fast twice a week. I do all these things, and when the honeymoon wears off, we don't even take time to thank Jesus Christ. When the honeymoon wears off, we don't even take time to think of what God has done for us. And all the time, we're just complaining. All the times we got a bone to pick with another person. All the time, we're just criticizing someone else, when all the while, God is saying, hey, just come to my feet. You see, when we get to a place when ourselves become dominant, it becomes all about us. And just as it's unattractive to be around a person who makes it all about them, there's nothing more unattractive to God than seeing a person who makes it all about themselves. In Isaiah, God says this, Hey, to this man will I look, even to him that is of a broken and contrite spirit that trembleth at my word. You see, there was that Pharisee that bragged all that he did, but that publican. He said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I have been thinking about what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He said, for we preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ our Lord, and ourselves servants for Jesus' sake. Even Galatians 2.20, he says, it's not I, but Christ liveth in me. And it's time that we stop making life about our own desires, about our own goals, about our own aims. It's time that we would recall that we have been bought with a price, that we would come to the Lord and say, Lord, it's not my own life. Anything you want to do, Father, I'll do it. There has to be an end to the self-pity. God, I'm going through this. God, I'm going through this trial. God, it's, God look at all, all that I'm going through. There has to be an end to that. There has to be an end to your self-seeking. There has to be an end to your self-gratifying. How many of us will be willing to stop playing games with God? Enough with the games. Enough with the gimmicks. Enough with the selfishness. Enough with living my life for myself. But how many of us are willing to say, as John the Baptist said, he must increase, but I must decrease. But all of a sudden in Bible college, the honeymoon wears off. And yourself becomes dominant. Not only does yourself become dominant, not only will you get distracted by service, but lastly, when your honeymoon wears off, we see the disregard of a Savior. In verse 41, it says this, And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art troubled about many things. Hey, but one thing is needful, and Mary had chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Jesus Christ said, hey, Martha, there's one thing that's necessary. There's one thing that's needful. There's one thing that is beneficial that you need the most. Students, there's one thing that is so needful for each and every one of you in the midst of all that you're doing. There's one thing that you need. And Mary had chosen that part. You see, all the while, 
Mary was enjoying Jesus at the, in the other room. Martha was missing out on the very person of Jesus Christ. You know why we don't have revival? You know why we lack joy? You know why we get to a place where we get tired? It's because we have forgotten what is needful. And that's Jesus Christ. It's not more ministry. Hey, it's not if, if I just had more charisma, if I was just a better person, if I just got better grades, it, all these things. No, one thing is needful. That's Jesus Christ. You see, all of a sudden in your life, when the honeymoon wears off, it becomes about the blessing more than the blesser. It's all about the healing more than the healer. It's all about the gift more than the giver. And we find our identity in what we do, rather what God has done for us. Won't you realize that God loves you? And what's most needful is what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross and you never forgetting that. When the prodigal son came home, the father threw on a party for him. But the prodigal son had a, had a brother. His brother all the while said to his father, Father, all these years I served you. You see, you throw on a, you throw on a party for my brother, but all the while I'm here, I'm serving you. What is going on? You know what the father's response was? Son, thou art ever with me. Son, thou art ever with me. And we come to God and say, God, look at what I'm doing for you. Look at all that I'm doing. And we get to a place where we get tired, where, where we don't know how to, how to control ourselves, where we think, God, is it really worth it? God, can I continue to go on? God, why is all these trials coming in? Don't I deserve better? And God is saying, hey, thou art ever with me. Won't you realize Jesus Christ and what he went through? And even while he was in Pilate's hall, they clothed him with purple and they plaited a crown of thorns and put it about his head. And they began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews. And when they have mocked him, they took off the purple from him and they put his own clothes on him and they led him out to crucify him. And they bring him to the place, Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of the school. And they gave him wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. And in the third hour, he was crucified. And when he was crucified, they parted his garments and cast lots, what every man should take. And with him, two thieves were crucified, one on the right hand, another on his left that the scriptures may be fulfilled, he was numbered with the transgressors. And a superscription of his accusation was written over, Hail, King of the Jews. And those that passed by him, they wagging their heads, they railed on him and said, Ah, oh, thou that destroyest the temple in three days, and buildest it, save thyself from the cross. Likewise, the chief priest also said amongst himself with the scribes, he saved, himself, he saved others, but himself he cannot save. And those that were crucified him reviled him, and in the sixth hour 
Darkness was upon the whole land until the ninth hour. And in the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And those that stood by said, Behold, he called for Elias. And one ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and said, Let alone, let Elias come and take you down from the cross. And Jesus cried with a loud voice. And he gave up the ghost. But he was wounded for your transgressions. He was bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. That though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. But God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, who his own self bare our sins on his own body on the tree. But when the honeymoon wears off, we disregard the Savior. Dr. Getch said, staying in love with Jesus will keep you in love with the ministry. Because we're going to someday get to a place where we burn out and we think, God, what's wrong with me? God, why do I have no revival in my life? God, what is going on? But may I remind you, maybe your honeymoon has worn off. May we learn to go back to our first love by first of all getting and spending time with Jesus at his feet and not getting so distracted by ministry, by friends, by all these great things. May our relationship with Christ be our number one priority. And when self becomes dominant, we'll be willing to lay aside our fleshly desires. And also when we disregard the Savior, will we be willing to stop and get our eyes back on the cross? Because you're going to look back someday. You're going to feel empty and frustrated because the honeymoon has worn off. But as David said, Father, God, will thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee?